so Manchester United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United are the first team in Premier League history to win four games in a row by a three-goal margin. It's, I, it's I one of those that... weird stats that doesn't really mean anything. Well, it's... Except form. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I just think the fact that it hasn't happened at any point in the whole history of the Premier League by chance is pretty remarkable. It is, given, especially given the you know, City's rise and, I mean, less so Chelsea in their dominant period, but but certainly City and, and then perhaps Liverpool now have us? been... What about, and what, us, the, and us, yeah, the, yeah. The although, 13 Premier League titles we won. Is it total Premier League history? Yeah, so since 92, yeah. Um, the, the, the perhaps even more surprising stat for me was this is the first time in 14 years that the same first 11 has been picked four times in a row. At United, wow, that, at United. That, that is remarkable. The other stat, the best stat of all about yesterday's game is uh, that is now the first team that any team has beaten another team on every day of the week in the Premier League. So we've beaten Villa on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday now. Um, a new hit Craig David song, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beat, beat Villa on a Monday, etc. Um, it's too early for singing. Um, the... Uh, the performance started really ropey. This this almost looked... Well, slow. Ropey. Like, ropey. They were giving the ball away a lot. There was a lot of... They were very, very slow. They didn't... They weren't creating anything. They actually looked quite threatened by Villa. Uh, they, they couldn't... I don't mean meaningfully threatened, but, you know, they were, they were stretched and it just looked... It just looked like, oh, is this going to finally be the one where you know, the, the one where they can't get it together. But even then, I have to say, I was kind of thinking, well, there's a long way to go in this game yet. And there's a lot of very, very good players in Manchester United's attack. And so it proved. And the second half was a remarkably different affair. Yeah, I, I have to say, I wasn't too worried. I mean, it was certainly very slow. United were um, walking it around. And, and I thought, mm, is this the effect of playing the same team a lot? And there being a lot of games and perhaps, you know, is Oli making the mistake here of not rotating enough? And and clearly he has faith in the players he's got in the team right now and he knows they're performing together and he's able to win games and then make a lot of changes. And, and so, especially to the forward players who really do need to stay fresh uh, and um, and to Nemanja Matic, who's older, who did look leggy, I think. I really felt... Yeah, definitely, yeah. ...feel like he could drop out of a game... I mean, I know in these games where United are very dominant, he wants Matic in there for his passing ability and his ability to recycle the ball really quickly, much as Michael Carrick was so successful at United over the years. And that's that's why he's in the team. Um, but he, the worst performances of Matic over the last 18 months have been when he's played too much. He drops off a massive level. You know, and he's 31 yeah. and yeah, so on. He'll be like nearly 35 when he leaves the club. Apparently, yeah. We'll Matic twenty twenty three. That's 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 a a done deal. It's the thing. A yeah, slightly yeah. confusing one. Though. Yeah, I think he's yeah. Great, but let's, let's, get, let's get through Aston Villa. I do want to talk about that one though. So it's, yeah, I have some concerns. Um, anyway, so yeah, fifteen minutes of pretty slow start from United. Villa had some good positions, good ball. They didn't create anything of note. I mean, they had that. I think it's 25 minutes in or so. They had that shot from Trezeguet, uh, just sort of clipped the outside of the post. Uh, it's a long way out, although no one 
went to block him. It's very central. So it's there. It's half of Aston Villa's XG last night, that one shot alone. Um, and normally something from that far out wouldn't have very high XG, but because there was no defender in proximity, it's, it's registered as a good shot. But I think that tells you something about Villa overall, even in their period of dominance. You know, I don't yeah. know. Even in their period, good period, they didn't create anything. And this is why they're going down, of course, and I think they will, four points behind now. Uh, with four games to go, and and they just couldn't capitalise on it. And it just felt like it only takes, as you said, one of our very many good players now to to step into the game um, and win it. And this is a beautiful thing. We criticised Oli and the team so much for its its sort of what is it? What does it stand for? What 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 does this? What what is this team other than a counter attacking team? And I think for the first half of the season, it was, and and no, sorry last 18 months or so of Ollie's reign. That's been very true, you know. It's it's very hard to say what is the what is the goal of this team structurally was its identity overused word. Um but now we can say there is one, right? This is Manchester United plan A, keep the ball, create a lot of chances, use brilliant players to do it. And if you're not playing well, you've got brilliant players who can come up with something from a one-off position, like uh, spinning on the ball and winning a perfectly 100% legitimate penalty. I believe a thousand percent was the uh, the number that you put on that. And um, I, I think that the 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 Villa the other thing that happened with Villa was that ball to Grealish, which he kind of shanked. Gary Neville. I don't know why I'm complaining about Gary Neville already, but giving it that that was a really good chance. It's like Gaz, you would have hit that. Over, I mean, it was played at Villa. You'd have hit it over the Stretford end from there. That's how over it would have been if you tried to take that. I mean, it's it's not a good chance. It's a very difficult chance that he would have done amazingly to score. Very quiet game from Grealish. Um, nobody really stood out to me from the Villa side of things. It was more that it wasn't that they were good. It was that we were. We just looked, like you say, really leggy, really tired. There was a period, I think, after we'd scored where we were playing literally at walking pace, just like about 40 minutes when we were really on top of possession. And I thought it was interesting that they weren't kind of really put, trying to put their throat on, you know, really trying to go for the throat at that point. Um, and, but yeah, uh, they they more than made up for that in the second half. The, so the penalty was what changed the game. I actually... The build-up to the penalty was one of the first times where we had really picked up the tempo and right, started. Right, the ball quickly, pass. yeah. Absolutely, lots of movement, lots of skill and interplay. Um, and then Fernandez uh, stepped over the ball onto the Villa player's ankle and uh, got a penalty for it. Um, yeah. I, I think that that was not overturned by VAR because it wasn't an obvious error, not because it wasn't an error. But um, yeah, the Premier League came out afterwards and said, "Oh, that should have been overturned." I have to say, I, I'm I'm more in Ollie's camp on this one. It's not it's not rose, well, maybe it's rose tinted or red tinted glasses. I don't know, but it's not really our uh, our shtick, is it? On this pod, I I feel that if Fernandez had just stood still, it would have been a penalty because the Villa player went to ground and went through him. Which he did go through him. I know he's he's rolled him and stepped onto him. So, um, or a different analogy would be if this was in, say, this was in open play, long kick from a keeper, and the two players are competing for the ball. The player who comes into the back of the retreating player normally gets penalised. Not always. Um, so I, I think, like in the moment and the replay, I perfectly, I see perfectly, like it's perfectly legitimate that you could give it. 
And I don't think it's so obviously an error that the Premier League has to come out and say, oh, we got that one wrong. There have been some really bad ones in the VAR era. Um, and I'm not sure this was legit, um, like deserving of that kind of uh, Premier League statement. The other thing I've got to say, and I don't want to say, sound like some kind of, I don't want to get all Trumpy about this and start going on about fake news in the media, but um, half of the halftime interval analysis was dedicated to the penalty, and most of the post-match analysis was dedicated to the penalty. And then the whole of the interview with Dean Smith, the, the Villa manager, was dedicated to the penalty. And then they spent time on Max of the Day talking about the penalty. Aston Villa had one shot on target. One shot on target. Yeah, and 0.6 XG. They created nothing. The reason why they lost this game is because they're not very good. Not because United got a, you know, dodgy penalty. Anyway. No, and I think uh, I completely understand why half of the halftime stuff was dedicated to it because nothing else happened in the half, basically, of, of particular note. Um, and, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, the, the, the extensive conversation around around it. But, you know, they just, they love talking about penalty decisions, don't they? And, well, they, and they do, but, but even, and the, you know, and they, they threw up a softball to Dean Smith who could then, like, kind of forget about the actual game. But he's, he's going to take some blame. He changed nothing in this game. Their they're, they're, you know, good period at the beginning, uh, they weren't able to... Uh, continue. He didn't change anything about Aston Villa in that game to then try and regain the momentum. They, his best player, Jack Grealish, spent the entire time playing at left back. You know, it, I mean, talk about Gary Neville, he kept complaining about it, but he's absolutely right on that one. Mm. The most creative player was nowhere near the United goal. So, anyway. Can't, I can't believe I said nothing else happened in the half when that Mason Greenwood goal was in that half, wasn't it? So, yeah, something else happened and it was that we have the best young player in world football. Um, the fact that Kylian Mbappe was trending after Mason Greenwood scored because so many people were tweeting, come outside, we just want a word with you. Was <laughs> Someone really... called him the pound shop Mason. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, this kid, this kid is the truth like we've had some exciting young talents come through at United I mean from players that have established themselves in the first team like Marcus Rashford to uh, players who promised much and delivered almost nothing like Adnan Yanazai um, this player I have never I don't remember being so excited about uh, an academy product at United well ever because I was too young to really process what Ryan Giggs meant when he was around um so yeah I mean who knows where it'll go from here but the ceiling on his potential is quite clearly without any exaggeration the actual ceiling on his potential is clearly best striker in the world you know yeah look he's got all the tools hasn't he and and the most fearsome thing about him is he's so uh uh, what's the word? Bipedal, I think it is. Uh, that it's, uh, how do you defend against him? He can go either way and hit it just as hard. I mean, he absolutely smashed one in against Bournemouth. I was going to say last week. When was it? Was it three days ago? The game's coming so thing fast, I can't keep up with it. But with his left foot and then smashed one in with his right foot, he's hit this one so cleanly. It's past the keeper before, almost before he's reacted. Uh, and it's a not point. 0.7 xg chance right so it's a uh, seven times in a hundred shots the average player would put that into the net 
Um, not for Mason. I mean, you feel like that's just a. It's just such a good. You'd be surprised if he didn't score that chance. In fact, he had a chance just before that on his left, which he put a bit too close to the keeper. Um, and you're surprised he didn't take that one. Uh, yeah. his, his ceiling, as you say, is, is just so high. I think the thing that's going to turn him from being a 20 goal a season strike, he might probably get to 20 this season without really having played much. Um, I mean, Daniel James has started 26 more games than Mason Greenwood. And and I think part of the reason why Mason is now fresh and so dynamic now is because he hasn't been overused. You know, I think, yeah. I think Ollie's been very cautious with him, maybe a little overcautious, but he's protected him a lot and he's it's been planned to get him more involved in the in the first team and, and we're reaping the war- rewards. But anyway, the thing that turns him from 20 to 25 goals a season into... 30 to 35 to 40 goals a season is scoring all types of goals, right? So he's he's a player who works the channels and works the spaces, not necessarily working the six-yard box. And I think he can do that too, you know. And, and uh, I don't mean to make the wrong comparison here, but Lionel Messi has spent a career basically not playing at number nine, playing mm. from a wide position and scoring 40 to 60 goals a season. Uh, because he knows when to get into the right positions, when to shoot from distance, and Lionel Messi will take twice as many shots as Mason, basically, per 90 at, at this time. Um, uh, but he also gets into to, you know great high XG, great goal-scoring positions, and Mason doesn't quite yet. He works the spaces really well. He's obviously got a fantastic shot, but that all comes with experience, you know. And mm-hmm. you, you were saying a uh, friend of the pod, Omar Chowdhury from 21st, club uh was saying that it's minutes that count in his development i think that's absolutely right and i'd be really surprised if that um that goal tally he's scoring from you know low xg chances right now doesn't doesn't that xg doesn't start creeping up basically his post shot xg will be really high i couldn't find the stat but that's a measure of quality it's 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 going to be really high um but his pre-shot xg is pretty low right now because he's taking on ridiculous shots yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, one of the reasons he's doing that is because he can. And that will change at different points of his career. People will work out. I mean, he's difficult to... Well, he's always going to... Assuming he stays injury-free and his development continues and he can keep his feet on the ground and all the, the millions of challenges that face a young player becoming a great, um, the the defenders will work out stuff about his game as he goes on and he'll adapt though because he's clearly also extremely smart about using his abilities because like you say he works the channels excellently and worth saying about that goal absolutely brilliant from Anthony Martial in the build-up and combining um brilliant skill on the ball which we all know that he has and and close control which we've seen since his very first game uh, against Liverpool and an ability to control a kind of bobbling ball among defenders legs brilliantly Um, but also the thing that's been kind of questioned about him around you know determination and work rate and uh, fierce dogged commitment kind of thing which well here we go here was all three of those um uh, and yeah, just just superb, and and the, the right ball for Greenwood as well. So yeah, brilliant from Martial in the build up. I thought Martial had a good game. I mean, he was uh, really annoyed. Uh, to, <laughs> I did think that was kind of funny. I mean, smash one against the bar, which was um, that would have been a great moment if he'd gone in because it's a it was a very difficult chance, and he just absolutely leathered it. 
Yeah. It's past Reina and off the bar and down before Reina's really even reacted. Uh, but Barthol had a very good game at number nine, linking players. He's he's improved really well there. And and I think I don't know this is true. I don't know whether the penny just dropped with him or or whether it is actually the the fact he's working with a coach and not only believes in him very strongly, but was a striker and yeah. and understands the in, intricacies of playing that position and isn't focused on your best number nine covering the left back perpetually like some other coaches who we shall not talk about maybe a little bit later um yeah um might do you know so i mean look the improvement in greenwood in rashford and martial under Solskjaer can't it can't be coincidence and and i think it's it's fair that for all the doubts we've had about ollie over his time with the united there's some real fruits blossoming right now 100%. And and if we're going to slag off Mourinho for making players play badly, which I think was entirely justified and is clearly happening right now somewhere else, um, we should probably praise Solskjaer for making players play well or enabling, creating the culture, at very minimum, creating the culture for them to thrive. And at maximum, like you say, he's a striker. He's got a tremendous amount of experience and, you know, has been himself in, in those positions and, you know, could... I wanted a little quick word for Rashford as well, who uh, there was one moment which didn't lead to a goal um, where Rashford made an absolutely brilliant run late on for, I think, Pogba and Pogba put in a perfect through ball for him. It was very unfortunate that didn't lead to a goal because it was just brilliant uh, inside forward play from Rashford. Um, and I thought he started to look a little bit more like himself. I, yeah. I, don't I, thought, he... I thought he had a better, a better game than than uh, any since lockdown. Lockdown, he's involved in because he had that shot that went in off Pogba's ass. Uh, and was completely unjustifiably called offside, even though it was like 15 yards off. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he was just more involved, looked a bit sharper. I think he's just needed a few games, right? This is yeah. his, what, is it five, six? I don't know. I completely uh, lost well, the run of things. I, I think we can work it out because there's the f- we've won all the games in the Premier League since the Tottenham game, but so it's five Premier League games and one FA Cup game. Right, so six games. That's been his pre-season. Yeah, and he had uh, he had sixty minutes in a preseason against West Brom. So, I mean, after months of injury, I think yeah. it's, it takes a while sometimes. And absolutely, um, so I, I think yeah, it's it's good. He's, he's going to be sharp for the some really important games to to come. And I think yeah, I thought it was better. Um, Fernandez took him a while to get into the game. I thought Very much he was, so. along with the rest of the side. Uh, I mean, he's going to he ends the game with a goal from the spot and an assist <laughs> because even when he's not playing well he produces a goal and assist he has uh, more goal contributions so assists and goals than anyone since he joined um, I mean he, we anyone are also in the Premier League that is <laughs> if the Premier League had started the day that Bruno Fernandes joined we would be top of the league right now that's how absolutely no, insane it's been no we would I'm, I'm, I mean literally the, I, the, the numbers if since then, we have accrued more points than anyone else in the Premier League. That's a crazy reality. Um, yeah, uh, he took his penalty excellently. No little hop in the build-up, but sort of psychological equivalent of a hop. Um, I, I thought it's kind of interesting if the keeper's expecting you to hop and you don't. They might go a little later, maybe. But uh, the keeper just went completely the wrong way. He did look like he was shaping 
to go the way the keeper went and he sent him the other way as he seems to do somehow every time he takes yeah. a penalty. I don't like he strikes the ball so cleanly. I don't know if he even needs to get involved in all these games really. I <laughs> well, mean, if he literally he, scores he scores every single penalty he's ever taken know, in professional but, football. I know, I but what I'm saying is um if he puts it into the corner like he did yesterday at that power that's a 99% chance of scoring penalty, Yeah, right? Even if the keeper dives the right way, it's almost impossible to save. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Um, but yeah, so the uh, the third goal was Paul Pogba deserves it's his first goal of the season, amazingly. First, um, first goal in over a year. Yeah, I mean, amazing. he has been injured for a lot of that time. Yeah, um, but he played brilliantly. I mean, absolutely. Well, it was great. Brilliant. I mean, I thought he was man of the match. I, yeah, I just thought he absolutely. completely controlled the midfield for United, especially in that second half. Um, and, uh, and he really deserved his goal. I mean, props to Bruno for the training ground routine coming off. He waited, waited, he waited. If you watch it again, Pogba's pretending like he's disinterested and then suddenly switches on. <laughs> I was um I was watching with uh some friends in a PlayStation party chat and um someone said, Oh, it's Paul Skull's territory this when the the, the ball came out. It's like, no, it's Paul Pogba territory now, baby! <laughs> like, this is the new the new school. He's I I mean it was just an absolute delight. And he said he had a brilliant post-match interview after the game. Uh, he said you know, he kind of knew the keeper a little bit and they'd, he'd worked on that quite a lot um, in training. Uh, he was asked about Mason Greenwood and he said, I love watching this kid play and I love pushing him. What was amazing about that is then, I don't know if it was before or after that, but Roy Keane said, I don't think Paul Popper wants to be a leader. Yeah, that was it's after like, the game. And I, I thought that was completely wrong. I mean, um, it's, I think, Roy Keane is projecting his idea of what leadership is onto Paul Pogba. Paul, Paul, Paul Pogba, for so long was the only leader, mm. right? Now we have uh, Harry Maguire as more traditional leader and Bruno Fernandes as the kind of do-what-I-do-on-the-pitch leader and, and the responsibility is now shared and, and Pogba's thriving. And I think that is... that. I thought King was making a good point that, you know, actually having some extra leadership is going to help Pogba because it, it definitely is. Um, it will help everyone. But, yeah, he then went on to say, I don't think he wants to be a leader. And it's just, I mean, he literally just said, I love pushing Mason Greenwood. Like, that's, you know, that's that, that's what a leader does in that context. So, yeah, absolutely crazy. But anyway. Interesting, we, uh, while we're talking about interviews, interesting interview with Ollie who instead of sort of being super effusive about Mason going, oh, he's great, it's fantastic, said it's all it's up to him. He can go as far as he wants and he yeah. has to do the right things. He has to train well. He has to play well. He has to live his life well. Um, it's absolutely the right tone to take, 100%, in my opinion. Because it's, it's almost, apart from some terrible physical injury, it's the biggest danger facing Mason Greenwood about being that good is not knowing that to turn that level of talent into the career he genuinely could clearly have it's going to be what he does in his head that determines how that goes for sure yes so not much happened after that so Pogba scores in 58th minute and he, he goes very quiet so he had a lot of substitutions he's able he took off Fernandez, Greenwood, Martial, Matic I think uh, one Bazaka as well Brendan Williams came yeah. on at, at right back uh, Pogba played the full game and, and so do Rashford. And I was probably right, actually. I think they're still, as good as Pogba was, I think they still need minutes. 
yeah. um, and 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 brought on the the sort of B team that came on that usually come on in these games now. James and McTominay, Williams and Igalo and Fred. So and yeah. it just played out the game, but the intensity dropped massively, and and it's good because although United United play played Thursday, then play Sunday, and then play no, sorry Monday, then yeah. play Thursday, then play Sunday, then play the Wednesday against. Leicester after that it's insane actually then yeah. then it could be an FA Cup final on the first then there'll have to be the LASK game between the first and the 10th so somewhere it'll be played at Old Trafford uh, and then the mini tournament in Lisbon will be we assume the quarter final semi-final and final of Europe and that's all got to end before the 23rd of August so it just never it just never stops uh, Basically, in fact, the, that Europa Mini tournament is going to be the the most sort of uh, relaxed period of this season. So yeah. anyway, but so it's good that they're basically only playing sixty minutes. Some of them, absolutely, and and it was good that they got through a lot of this game at walking pace. Worth saying again that the B team put together some really nice cameos. Like Fred was actually quite looked a bit fresher, looked a bit sharper on the ball. Dan James is trying his heart out when he's getting on the pitch. Like, I mean, I guess he has been all season, to be fair. But, um, yeah, he's he's trying his heart out. Uh, Luke Shaw in the first half, he did... Oh, God. He, he intercepted a ball from Fernandez that was going out to Rashford and then tried to pass it to Martial, immediately gave it away, starting a counter-attack. Then Pogba pinged an absolute worldie of a ball, which, I mean, listen, it's not... Luke Shaw's a left-back. He's not a, a centre-forward. It's a difficult chance to deal with. If we're going to give Grealish, like, some credit for it being difficult to do, he's probably quite good at that compared to Luke Shaw. Bounced off but his then, shins, though, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, but then immediately after began to do the traditional Rankcast WhatsApp... Rankcast, what's that? No question about that. Um, WhatsApp group attack Luke Shaw and his character and his behaviour and all different... His facets. parentage and his <laughs> looks and his body <laughs> odour and... That's not what really happens, to be clear. Um, he put in an absolute peach of a cross for Bruno Fernandes, which he headed over. Um, just headed it over, just trying to put it in the top corner. Should have headed it down, Bruno. Needed to get above that one. But what a cross. But then, yeah, Luke Shaw was... Uh, I mean, you know, I, he's not worthy of any particular opprobrium for his performance in this game beyond those two moments I've mentioned. No, actually, his, his numbers are pretty good from a general all-round, uh, you know, in terms of his pass completion rate and his number of take-ons and a couple of interceptions and a tackle. He didn't have to do much from a defensive point of view. I think the, the biggest upgrade, of course, when under pressure, Luke Shaw makes mistakes defensively, but the biggest upgrade would be someone who's actually a proper attacking left-back. So Shaw's... He's he's working. He's working. He worked hard in this game. I thought right right at the end of the game, he's he's closing people down. I did think it's funny how much United pressed three nil up. You know, five minutes to go, and they're pressing the Aston Villa defenders, uh, hunting down another goal. Um, he did that, uh, so it's um, it wasn't his worst performance. He nice. just offers so little in an attacking sense and. The upgrade there of an attacking left-back would make a massive difference to United. And it would be one of the steps that I think United have to take to go from fourth, fifth, third. Well, I mean, you know, we're obvious. Third. Right now, right now, probably the third best team in, in the league to uh, much closer would be an attacking left-back. That is one of the big steps United do have to make. And it's a question whether 
the Woodward and the Glazers believe that we've got a team that's good enough now to compete in the top four, um, and whether they're happy to trade off the marginal financial gain of getting a bit further for the massive financial injection that would be needed to achieve that. Well, I mean, of course, the the thing that we will talk about, I'm sure, a lot, uh, you know, when we really wrap up the season and we see where we finish and we see where Chelsea finish, but the fact that Chelsea are signing Havertz, Zayech and Timo Werner, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with in an attacking capacity next season. And they're already, Pulisic is looking, Pulisic is on fire at the moment. He's looking every ounce, the kind of like key man that that people would, on the Chelsea persuasion would have hoped he would become. Um, So yeah, and they're they're bringing in some other players who could definitely be key men. So uh, yeah, so given where City are at, let's assume they have some fire in their belly and don't lose a bunch of players because of the Champions League situation. And Liverpool will be absolutely desperate, you would imagine, to prove that they can retain and get to 20, you know. Um, so it's going to be, it's not It's not going to be a walk in the park for us to, to challenge, even to be guaranteed top four next season. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. And, and, and obviously this team has made a step forward with... Uh, Bruno's um, acquisition and and the return to fitness of Rashford and Pogba and we're seeing right now the kind of quality that this first 11 can achieve and there is some depth but it's not the kind of depth that's going to win you a, a league title and we're reliant on there not being another injury Pogba or Martial because it all goes wrong then you know if Pogba's out of this team and it's Fred suddenly you don't have that double creative pivot if Martial's injured and you play Rashford up front, he's a very different kind of number nine. And you bring Dan James into the the side who's got far fewer goals in him. And and so, you know, it's, it's only a couple of players from this being touch and go next season for a, a guaranteed Champions League spot. We don't know what's going to happen with Leicester. How many players do they lose? Will they hang on to their their players? Can they return to the kind of quality that they produced in the first half of this season? Spurs won't upgrade because they don't have the money. And are rubbish and, and are and not they part have, of the conversation. And Mourinho parking the bus against Bournemouth, just, just so special. Um, and But, you know, Arsenal, I assume, will try to. They'll trade to do it. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much we have to look over our shoulder. Wolves have got money and they could. If they keep the players, they could upgrade. Uh, so we'll be challenging next season. And I just think it's the thing that I know the answer to it. Um, but it's the thing that we always have to ask with United and the Glazers. Are you pre- prepared to pay more money than you'll get back? Because the marginal gains, there are diminishing returns in football, right? Uh, and especially for United, who makes so much money out of commercial. J- just being in the Champions League is enough for this business model to work. Getting into that top two, challenging for a, a league title and going deep into the Champions League takes is going to take far more spending than than uh, the business model requires and so mm. it's going to cha- take a change in mindset and which is you know maybe it's been been me being pessimistic but that's just how they run the business model anyway long long discussion about that but it's it it kind of came into like it was on a big debate on twitter and um stats guy mike goodman said on twitter um, yeah, it won't be long before United fans are having the conversation which says, do we really need Sancho, given how well Mason Greenwood is playing? And we had this conversation on the last pod. And my answer then is, no, we need the depth. You know, and, and I think that's absolutely right. right. Just a couple of 
you know, really key purchases, that that attacker, flexible attacker that Sancho is to add depth into those positions, a left back. I I know we disagree on this one. I still think a, a proper, really high quality defensive midfielder would make a big difference to to United and a centre back. And you are a title, not necessarily title winning, but title challenging team. Mm. Yeah, I, I I mean I agree. I I, I fully agree. I, let's take a little break and come back and talk about defensive midfielders and then preview whoever the heck we're playing next, Southampton. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. And before we get into the Nemanja Matic chat, um, I was absolutely delighted to have a chat with Jay Motti from, oh, well, I was about to say Full Time Devils, but as you will hear and you might have heard, the artists formerly known as Full Time Devils. So here's my chat with Jay. We recorded this over Skype, um, so it might not have the beautiful sound quality that you know and love from us. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by, I was going to get it wrong, first out the bat, Jay. I was going to say Jay from, but no, Jay from... Lots of that. Trust me. Um, I, I believe that it is appropriate for us as the world's foremost experts on beloved Manchester United fan content changing its name to uh, welcome to the show Jay Motty from Stretford Paddock. Um, Jay, what's what's going on? I was just wondering, should it should it be now? Shouldn't I start referring to myself as Jay from the channel formerly known as Full Time Devils? <laughs> we now, to, known as, now known as Jet for Panic, yeah. You might find with Facebook that you have to do that. We had to change our name to No Question About That, formerly known as United Rant for a few months, and then we finally got just No Question About That. I didn't realise who I was talking to at times. I was like tweeting you guys back and like not realising <laughs> it was you lot. I was like, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, right, right, yeah. My 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 favourite was when my lovely podcast co-host got into it with a mutual friend of yours yeah, and mine, so he, and he thought that was me. Yeah, I got a message. Like, and you're you're quite, you know, I know you all like to hear me, but you are known as like the nicest guy on the planet, um, especially among me and my friends. We all sing your praises. So, like, my mate messaged me. He was like, he was confused and slightly crestfallen, but like. <laughs> That I turned on him. Yeah, like I can't believe Paul turned on me. Like of all people, and I was like messaging you, going, "Hey, mate, um, just a quick one." (laughs) (laughs) Sort of thing, you know, nothing to do with me. You're a but, and you were like, "Oh no, that's not me." Uh, Oh, the relief, mate. I was like, "Oh, thank God." (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the phrase "I'm not my brother's keeper" has never been more appropriate than Ed's Twitter account. Yeah. I think we both can speak on that because the people that I'm involved with, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I've never, def- you know, their business is their business. I'd be here all day if I ended up spending my time defending like the likes of Stephen House and Adam McCullough. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's their business, just like his business is his. Um, so, how have you been, Jay? It's been ages since you've been on the show. Well, mate, I can't remember. Last time I think we spoke to you was when Fergie retired. <laughs> it was like years ago. I've been good, mate. I mean, there's just a real positivity to me you know and um and i'm just trying to get rid of that cynicism and that sort of all waiting for it all to go wrong and just enjoy it for a bit you know what i mean like just enjoy the fact we're winning games enjoy the fact we're scoring goals enjoy the fact we've got these amazing young players that are coming through and the signings that are working out and just you know we've had enough ups and downs recently and doom and gloom just i'm just enjoying it mate you know what if 
things start to go wrong, then I worry about it then. But at the moment, I'm enjoying watching Manchester United. I'm enjoying the results. So, yeah, you know, you've, I've got a team that is likeable and love, lovable mm. and players that you can get behind. And I'm, I'm all about that at the minute. And the, the, the kind of just the simple feeling of being excited that a United game's on. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Like, do you know, like, I mean, you've been there, Paul, many a time. Like, I remember sort of being at Old Trafford before the game, chatting to mates, and you look at your watch and it's like two minutes to kick off and you carry on talking. You look at your watch and it's like five past kickoff. And you're like, suppose, <laughs> should we go in? better ad. and you know you're trudging there and it's more like you know a, an obligation and a duty rather than a desire it's mm-hmm. like oh, I've got to go and you know support the team and get behind them but you know, I don't really want to be going there and watch this and now the feeling I know we can't go to the games but the feeling of watching the games is completely different you know I'm looking forward to it it's like you know we had a from the the, the um, Bournemouth game to the Villa game there's like a four day break or five day break whatever and you're like a little bit gutted that you've got to wait that long to see the team again because it's just been so exciting and you know the football's been it's not been perfect by any stretch but it's been good to watch and, yeah you know, we're, we're playing like something similar to the, the Manchester United teams we grew up on um, and it's been a long time since I've said that I, you know I've not I've, even under even post Fergie the success we've had if you look at like the, the Jose Mourinho first season for example where we picked up two, two trophies our league form was terrible Mm. You know, we we rode our luck a lot in the Europa League. We 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 sort of we made hard work of it, even in the League Cup at times. It wasn't like vintage football that got us two trophies. No, you look at the similar thing with with Van Hal. We won the FA Cup. Great feeling, great trophy to win. But that season wasn't. We know we, we finished what sixth. Yeah, Again, fifth, I think. Fifth. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So, and he got sacked at the end of it. Yeah. So this is the first time where you've had. United challenging, since Fergie was signed, United challenging for trophies whilst playing football that's enjoyable to watch. It's amazing because it's a very small sample size, but there's a huge difference to me because the, the only time since Fergie that there's been a period that's anything like this was the games against Spurs, uh, Liverpool, and then Villa, and then Man City in that little four-game run under Van Hal that everyone remembers because we suddenly became good. But if you looked at the, if you looked at that, that was just a system working and it, there was nowhere near the same level of individual quality of players that there is that are producing these results. Cause this is the thing that, you know, obviously the key problem of, we talk, we don't need to talk about this here, but in an injury to a couple of key players and it all goes back to square one. But while the first team's available, there's no reason to expect this. I mean, we're recording this before the Villa game, so it might have already gone wrong by the time people are listening to this. But um, but, um, there's no reason to suspect currently that this is about to go wrong, is there? No, I mean, you look at when we had this other wonderful run under Ole, the sort of part of the issue there was Ole came in and just by not being Jose Mourinho, just being like the opposite of Jose in terms of reaching out to players that had been sort of marginalised by getting Paul Pogba back into the team, just being a bit more friendly and happier, he was able to, to rejuvenate the squad. But you knew that wouldn't last. That some, You know, you've got to do more than just not be the previous manager to make a success of a Premier League club, especially one like Manchester United. But this season, it feels like certain parts of the puzzle have been falling into place over the course of the season. So, you know, in summer... Um, Ollie went out and strengthened the defence massively. 
you knew that'd take time to, to, for them to gel. And it, it has okay, you know, we had a couple of mistakes against Bournemouth, but our defensive record by and large has been quite good. You know, you you knew that we needed someone else in midfield. He's brought in Bruno, that's been a massive boost. You knew that the likes of Mason Greenwood and to a lesser extent Brandon Williams, if they were sort of brought into the team, they could play a part. And now we're seeing the fruits of that. Um, and also Martial and Rashford, who he's, unlike Jose and other managers, he's sort of found a perfect role for them. Kept faith in him there. You know, he kept faith in Martial down the middle. He's kept faith with Rashford on the left. And now you're seeing all this clicking into place. So, you know, it's, th th there are faults in this team. There are sort of areas for improvement. But by and large, you can see how all the different elements have come together. And now we're beginning to look like a really, really strong exciting Manchester United team that can on, the, on our day as we've seen can challenge anyone mm, absolutely so onto the uh, exciting new developments in your life Jay what's uh, what on earth have you done you've you've killed a beloved fan channel so I hear I know I know yeah you have to forgive me it's, it's terrible <laughs> it's criminal um, but um, yeah we you know you, listen Paul you've been involved in Full Time Devils since I have from the start I think we were on one of the first videos together um, and it's something Full Time Devils I've been involved in since sort of 2013 it's been close to my heart myself like Stephen Howson Adam McCullough um, have all been involved in it and what's happened is over like the last sort of few years the channel's moved in a different direction we didn't own the channel we just, you know, we appeared on it, we helped to run it, um, and we, we didn't have that control over it. Um, and the three of us and another lad called Joe um, have got together. We, we, we own the channel now. We're going to, you know, run it the way we want to run it and the way we think it should be run. And that's what we're doing, you know. We've given it a, a rebrand and a, re, a name because we, we didn't choose the name Full Time Devil Starters. Like I say, you know, we sort of joined it when it was already called that. Um, there's a channel called Stretford Paddock that some of you may know that Stephen Howson and Joe had, had built up. So we've changed the name to Stretford Paddocks. That means a lot to, 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 to a lot of people as well. That channel is now focused on a, a football team that they're running, a non-league team with, you know, sort of some United fans involved in. So, and, so their, old, their old Stretford Paddock is now going to be like covering the Paddock FC stuff that yeah, they're already doing. Yeah, they're doing, doing like but... a, a non-league team, like a hashtag United sort of thing where they've joined, mm. like, I think, the, one of the lower tiers in, in the sort of Greater Manchester League or the Lancashire League, whatever it is. So they're going to be doing that. That's sort of separate, but we're, you know, for what was full-time Devils is now Paddock. But for anyone who, you know, watched full-time uh, full Devils, you know, you will see a lot of the old gang back on there. You will see McCall. You will see Housen. We're going to get you on, Paul, if you'll come back on as much as possible. Um, some of the familiar faces, some of the familiar formats and videos that we used to do. And we just want to get back to that. And we want to get back to getting all the fans involved like we used to. And, and it to be something that everyone can get involved in and everyone can enjoy. Because that's why we got involved in it. It was never a job or a chore. It was an opportunity to talk about what we love, which is Manchester United. And that's what we want to get back to. And that's what we're, we're hoping to do. And we started doing this week, relaunched this week. And, you know, the feedback already shows you why we do this. People say, you know, it's great. We're glad to hear it. You know, some people say, being honest, they felt like the standards have slipped. Me and you have had those frank conversations about it. You know, it wasn't at the levels we expected at times. And I admit that. And, I'll, you know, I, I'm not going to deny that. But we, we're confident that we can get back to producing the sort of videos that people love to see. And, you know, it's been an amazing sort of seven years when you look at what the channel has done and achieved. Some of the, the, the videos we've produced, the, the, the fans we've spoken to, I myself have had 
so many good times chatting to fans and being involved in it. And I was only involved for a lot of the time on the periphery. So, yeah, we just want to get back to that. And that's what we're going to do with now with what is now Stretford Paddock. Um, and, it, you know, just from the initial response we've had, it, it seems like a, a great idea because lots and lots of fans get their sort of, not just their match day experience, but get tapping into United and the fan base via fan channels and via our fan channel. And it's, it's great that we can get back to that and, and connect with those fans like we, we wanted to. I think that's, I think it's really good news. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording. And one of the things that I think is just so important is that where it's possible, I understand why um, people that want to make big YouTube channels need investment. And that potentially means ownership. But there's something I really like about a fan channel being owned by the fans. But the, the level of kind of investment there, just, just you, you know, it's been done for the right reason. So I've known you for a long time and you know we've got like there's never been any doubt that the people actually making the content for ftd have been doing it to make good man united content to entertain people that like united i mean we we started this show literally just because we like talking about united together and then people started listening to it um and that's always been the intention and that's it continues to be um but yeah when you've got a media company in the background there's naturally going to be a level of cynicism about that. And I don't think wrongly, to be honest, because those people's intentions is not necessarily to, you know, serve the interest of the community. But you guys have got no choice now. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's a case of, if you, you know, if you don't like what we do, then it's our fault. If you do like what we do, it's our fault. You're right. You know, we were owned by a media company. And with that comes certain influences that you just have to accept. And it was sometimes those influences or those ideas didn't match with our own and it's like we got to the point where it was almost like a make or break scenario it was like okay if we can do this ourselves and we can take this over and do it then great and if we can't we need to walk away and fortunately we were able to get in a position where we, you know a few of us got together we are mates you know we've worked together with friends we, we we love united and we share the similar views and values around the, the club and we thought right can we get can we make this happen thankfully we're able to and it just feels really exciting because you know it is a risk but I'm, I'm pretty sure no one's going to have a violin out for me I'm getting to an opportunity <laughs> to, to talk about Manchester United all day long which is a dream scenario for, for probably pretty much everyone that's listening to your podcast so yeah I'm really excited and you're right you know we have had sort of our hands tied in certain situations and you know you've been involved as well and, and sort of seeing firsthand the sort of thing that's gone on and we want to move back away from that we are fan-owned, we're authentic, these are four lads that know each other, United fans who, who sort of have that same view and we're hoping to collaborate with people like yourself and get other people, fans involved and get back to full-time Devils was always about just getting people to share their views on United. That's what made the channel, you know, the prime example of that is Andy Tate. Everyone knows who Andy Tate is. This is a guy who works in his shop, works in a shop still, who, you know, became a overnight phenomenon because he, he captured the, the mood of United fans under the David Moise era or Moise as he would say um, and that was what it's about just getting people you know and just inviting people to come on and, and share your opinion you know Joe who's one of the lads who is one of the owners he he first came on Devils about a year ago at the, the, you know the city that was his first appearance on a fan camp he just came on he'd had a few wines and he came on and just shared his opinion on United and it was like, you know, this guy's talking a lot of sense and, and he, he, you know, he stayed in touch and we, a, a friendship was formed in a relationship where, you know, he's been getting involved more and now we're in a position where we're all working together and, and, and doing something that we think should be a great platform for Manchester United fans to 
to get involved and share their views and that you know it's not okay three of us are Mancunians or three of us are based in Manchester but it's not just about as you know better than anyone it's not just about Manchester it's about anyone you know we have fans and, and viewers and, and, and uh, contributors from all over the world literally and we want to get them involved again it's brilliant. All right. So where can the people find everything? What are all the new, what are all the new details? Well, if you go on, I mean, if you sort of search on YouTube, if you search actually Full Time Devils or Stretford Paddock, either of them, you will find us. You'll see us on Twitter um, as Stretford Paddock. We've been changing at the time recording. We're just changing everything over. So it's like, because everything's verified, it's like a bit of a minefield. But yeah, Stretford Paddock is the sort of the go-to place now. You go on there, you'll find us and and we're, we're, we're going to be, putting out a, a, roughly around a podcast every day different ones we've got um oh yeah by podcast. the way an outrageous shout on the uh, on the little introduction video where Stephen said that your new podcast with ronaldo is going to be the uh, everyone's new favorite man united podcast Listen, second I, second favorite thank him. you when he said that <laughs> i said it second you can't say right even even with all the hyperbole that goes on with launching something new you can't say it's going to be better than the no question about that podcast it's not right <laughs> So I'll admit I'll hold my hands up, but I'm quite happy to to finish, you know, second uh, in that in that league. <laughs> as long as it's not a Jose Mourinho second, as long as we're not 19 points behind you, <laughs> then I can live with it. <laughs> I can live with it. But yeah, uh, me and the, lad, the young man called Ronaldo, we're doing a, what's called a tier one podcast, speaking to journalists, um, you know, tier one journalists, and speaking about the sort of the top stories that are going out there. We've got the the, the old devil's podcast where we a load of us just chatting about united and all sorts going on you know how it is are all the podcasts on the same podcast feed do people have to subscribe to individual ones or are they yeah, all going to be yeah on the we're going to put them all on the same feed on what was the full-time devil's feed so yeah you can get, get all that stuff and um obviously after you've listened to your podcast <laughs> if, you still want, if you still want a film of manchester united that's almost as good as your podcast <laughs> and I, I implore people to check us out because you know and get involved as well you know if you want to sort of get on the channel or you know we're going to be asking people because obviously in lockdown we can't do fan cams from the ground people want to send us videos and reactions and stuff we're going to be posting a lot about that on socials um so you can get involved in that because you know, the essence or the ethos of Bulls and Devils was just inviting fans to give their opinions. And that's what we're going to carry on doing. Brilliant. Well, I wish you all the very best with it and uh, look forward to seeing how it develops in the next couple of years. So, Stretford Paddock for all your formerly known as full-time devil needs. Exactly. Nicely done. Cheers, mate. Good to chat to you. So, uh, talking of upgrading our defensive midfielders, uh, what do you think the message of giving Nemanja Matic a contract till 2023 sends about the possibility that we're going to invest heavily in defensive midfielders? Yes, we summer? won't. We won't. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, and and in theory, United have two players for that position: um, McTominay and Matic. I think McTominay is more of a box-to-box player. I think he wants to be that kind of player now. He's, he's he definitely wasn't when he first came into the team, but I think he would like to be and he's become more dynamic um Matic is in there as I said because of his passing range uh, but just physically it's the thing I worry about when United don't have all this possession he, he becomes a liability um defensively and uh, and I know there's lots of boosters and uh, on social media about Nemanja Matic and he is playing well but he's playing well in a team that's attacking a lot and having a lot of the ball 
Um, and in those big games when United don't, I I feel that even though he's way he's very disciplined in that position, physically he struggles. But anyway, so I I think it says to answer your question that United will not be investing in that position, and will, if they invest at all, it will be in other positions at least for the next year or so. I'm surprised at the length of the contract because they'd already activated the one-year option to take him to 2021. So there was no rush on this one. And they've given him another two years on top of that, which feels like a lot for a player his age. It did seem like a a really strange move because... I mean, just, just, yeah. I, I, I'm. I think that Matic has played really, really well, and I thought he was completely shot, and he's clearly not completely shot, and that's lovely. Um, and he's a, he's a very fine player on the ball, and he's actually very good at breaking up play if it comes straight at him. You know, he yes, makes a lot. Of, it makes, yeah, it makes a lot of good one-on-one decisions. But, um, but when he has two players running at him or yeah. pressing him, especially no, the pressing, he, he can struggle. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he did against Aston Villa in the first half of that game. So, you know, does Aston Villa relegate, about to be relegated Aston Villa? Yeah, so, uh, who aren't, I mean, Aston, Aston Villa have three players who would definitely find another Premier League club. <laughs> Mings, who's been talked about as a potential United acquisition, I'd say doesn't feel right. Nope. Not not least when you see him running backwards away from Mason Greenwood. Um, Roy Keane was, was not a fan of that move. No, no, no that's right. Uh, McGinn, who I do think is a very good midfielder. I don't think he's United level necessarily, um, but is a very he will definitely find another club. And, and then Grealish, who needs to grow up a little bit, but is very talented. Apart from that, they're rubbish. Um, and they shouldn't have given United quite so much trouble in the first 20 minutes or so. But anyway... Um, that was I was Matic. I was talking about Matic being impressed by Villa win, and and so the the decision to give him a contract till twenty twenty three, it's very hard not to see this as the club not being well run. You know, just in terms of when the club was really well run, players of his age and profile would be given a a year long extension and like it. You know, and are they, there's been a lot of talk, the Phil Jones contract, there was a lot of talk about protecting the asset. I I don't know why you're protecting an an asset. Well, there is no asset to protect here. There's no transfer fee um, given his wages. So, um, look, I think uh, we we talk a lot about directors of football and technical directors and people um, roll these two very different jobs into one often. And you have to have a problem with both, right? They have a problem on the acquisition side, making the right acquisitions. They, they think they've solved it, and this is why the idea of bringing, bringing in a director of football has been shelved. They think with, with Fernandez, uh, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire and Dan James, they've solved the problem and they won't be making any more mistakes. We'll see. We'll definitely, you know, we'll see whether that's true or not. But the other side is a technical director piece. It's about understanding um, from academy-level through to the first team and first team contracts and managing each position over a long-term view where every single player and every single position is going to be, right? Mm. And who you need to give contracts to and how you need to manage each of those players and where the acquisitions will need to be made. Now, that that long-term plan um, uh, will have to change as soon as you get punched in the face to you know, appropriate Mike Tyson. Yeah. But but at least you have that long-term plan. It's what uh, Southampton were doing really well before Les Reed left. It's what um, Liverpool and City do really well 
not it's not just the acquisition side of things. It's understanding which players are likely to leave. You know, yeah. the reason why Liverpool was sniffing around Timo Werner is because they think one of Mane or Salah might go. Yeah, or for me, uh, or for me, no, which most likely one. So, um, and and so that's the other thing that United don't, they don't have that. Who does that? Is that Ed Woodward? Do you think the former J.P. Morgan banker, an M&A specialist uh, turned commercial specialist, is good at managing a squad of players? Mm. So Nicky Butt does this thing uh, in which he he's the guy who's supposed to help players out of the academy transition into the first team. You know, and we can give him credit for Mason Greenwood, a lot of Mason Greenwood's development. He's not the the guy who's going to see the whole picture. So mm. I think I think United have trouble there too you know and 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 we're seeing i think that play out in a in a new long-term contract from smalling mike small can't, can't <laughs> stop calling him that and for phil jones um which is insane and for luke shaw and the size of contract with david de Gea when he was on the down slope um and now in the manumatic and this has a material impact people might think oh it's just a new contract but that's that's coming out of united's budget all of this, right? And there's a lot of wasted budget, probably, going on all these players. And then yeah. it's really difficult to get them off the books. Yep, absolutely. And I, 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 let's talk about some of the reasons why, apart from just incompetence, this might have happened. Well, one could be this is a really young team and you want some old heads around and you want to kind of guarantee that some of the same old heads will be around for a good stretch of time for players to learn from, for, to serve as examples, to just be around. And maybe Matic is a really good influence on players behind the scenes. And it's this thing that, that I... That, made I talked a lot about when I did not want to podcast anymore uh, when Jose Mourinho was the manager about um the, the limitations of fan coverage like all we we don't set ourselves up as experts on these things but we've been talking about United for 10 and a half years and so you start to assume naturally assume some sort of role of expert in either in other people's minds or in your own mind which just of course is not we don't know anything like the full picture. We've only got what we see. So, you know, maybe there's a bunch of intangibles that may, that are there, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. I'm sure we've uh, seen, missed much of the uh, the decision-making criteria used to give Phil Jones a new five-year contract. Oh, not that one. <laughs> that one's very straightforward. That was just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, Southampton now. Southampton, we surely cannot afford to go into this game. I don't mean Man United. I mean us, <laughs> us inexpert podcasters. Um, uh, can't afford to go into this one just assuming we're going to rock up down there and win 3-0 because they have been a very solid prospect in the post-lockdown era. And, of course, they just beat Manchester City. Um, and, you know, so... Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, it's an interesting set of results for them. I mean, they they beat Norwich. Everyone beats Norwich. Uh, they lost to Arsenal. Um, I saw that game. Had a man sent off in that. Yeah, had a man sent off. Arsenal were good for the victory. I thought um, they beat Watford at Vicarage Road. Who Watford? Who us at Vicarage Road? If you remember, <laughs> um, and, and which was and Liverpool. Know, they beat Liverpool. Watford did. This yeah, season, they're the only right. team that beat apart from City, I guess. Um, and then they beat City, which was a 
Which was a kind of strange fixture. I mean, they, they, that they, it was all about tactics, right? I mean, that is 0.63 to 3.4 XG on that game. Um, and they, they just did really well to hold off City in that second half when City really did bombard them. Um, and maybe they'll try and do the same thing with United. You know, just I, come out of a, a, a board draw with Everton uh, where they were the better side. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. It's probably not the one you want to do four or five changes for, and maybe you take the gamble, you beat Southampton with your first team that's playing really well, and then you make the changes for the Palace game next Thursday, maybe. Yeah, the Palace are playing, it gave Chelsea a real scare and are playing with a kind of freedom. So this is one where I think somebody else made this point. I don't know who it was, so it's not an original thought. It's kind of why Matic should have been rested from the Villa game. Because actually, you really kind of want Matic in this Southampton game because they're going to be really difficult to break down. Um, given that Arsene Hutel is clearly a a details guy and is going to have been watching a bunch of tape, and you know, uh, and and the that that XG against City was probably misleading because they really did play to block shots. They did play to to kind of um, stop City after the shot you know it's the Sean Dyche Burnley thing where like they were constantly getting better defensive results than their XG should have suggested because they were designed to do exactly that um so yeah uh, it, I, I think this is going to be a, a real challenge they've got threats on the counter um and and have not really been struggling to score goals in that they've got the Premier League's third top goal scorer or something in Danny Ings. Um, Nathan Redmond is a is a fine support player for him, and and even the it's Shane Long still there, isn't he? They can bring Shane Long to run at us. No, I mean he he probably more likely come off the bench Long, but um, yeah, I yeah. mean we'll see we'll see. I mean he's been playing two up front. Um, Shea Adams has not been scoring goals, you know, young prospect from the championship um, who hasn't transitioned that well into the Premier League, but he scored one from like 45 yards the other day, right? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, has he just suddenly started scoring goals just at the wrong time yeah. for us? I, I mean, I think they, they, they do set themselves up in midfield really well. So Ward Prowse is obviously, I mean, apart from being great from set pieces, which will be an important area for United to defend well from because um, his delivery is excellent. He he's also has a good passing range, and, and so they keep the ball reasonably well in there. Romeo's limited as a player, but um, he he also keeps the ball well. So they, they've got a platform there. I think it's at the back they, they can struggle, obviously, um, and, and United should be able to get at them. And I don't... If they do play 4-4-2, I think there'll be a lot of space for our, our attacking players. They might not. They might just play with Ings up front and and uh, augment midfield. We'll we'll see. But mostly he's been playing a four four two, so which can tr- transition into a, a good defensive block. You know, the old fashioned two blocks of four. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I I can't imagine he's going to make many changes for this one. We're now in the point. Of course, we didn't even talk about this. Leicester drew um their their last game so they're now a point ahead of us the fact that they drew rather than lost doesn't really I mean I think they equalized they were going to lose I can't even remember who they played um by watch that game um but they they were going to lose and then they drew Arsenal that's who it was um yeah of course Arsenal 
couldn't hold on for a result we needed them it was it was one of those where you've got a lot of United fans supporting Arsenal going how does anyone ever do this like this is just horrible supporting Arsenal must be the worst anyway um uh but it doesn't really matter that they're a point ahead or the same number of points because their goal difference is effectively a point anyway um well, not or, at the rate we're going <laughs> no I was gonna say uh, before this last round of fixtures our goal difference was exactly nine worse than theirs so really Southampton should lose to us nine nil to make it fair really that's what that's what they should do um so yeah uh but we're playing them, and so if we win every game between now and the end of the season, we're in the top four, whatever else happens. Which sure, like that is... game against Leicester on the last day of the season, which is actually only a couple of weeks away now. Yeah, wow. Um, is going to be really critical. I mean, it could be... We, I don't think we'll know the outcome of the City Court of Arbitration for Sport case by then, will we? Oh, I thought it was next week. I is it next week? Happening. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. I don't okay, know, maybe, maybe Maybe we will then, yeah. That, that, I mean, it could be... Uh, could be like a basically a hundred million pound game against Leicester, yeah, uh, with no fans. <laughs> um, b- b- given given the revenues and broadcasting and and our commercial contracts for being in in uh, in Champions League, yeah, we'll see. I mean, of course, United just for the pride sake of pride, we'd like United to be going into the Champions League in the front door, not in the back door. Absolutely. Right? So uh, finishing in the top four by rights, but yes, you know, win every game from here beat Leicester, um, we will be in that top four. I want to chase down third. Why not? Yeah, chase down third, beat Chelsea in the semi-final, smash City, those grubs in the final of the FA Cup. And then, and then have a little in. bit of a holiday in the in Portugal yeah. for, for the Europa, yeah. Dance our way through every team in the Europa League and finish the season third with two trophies. Nailed on. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's tricky reds. Um Absolutely, three trophies Relent- because we'll have won the second half of the season. What do they call it in Argentina? Oh, yeah, the Clausura, the Clausura yeah, exactly. trophy, of course. Yeah, um, how could I forget? Uh, it's uh, it's been so fun. Like even yesterday, yesterday they weren't even that great, and they were incredible fun to watch. Two absolutely brilliant goals and some really nice play. That Martial one was which hit the crossbar was absolutely fantastic. Just. Fine performances all round yet again. So um, Southampton, I think, will be a different prospect. I very, 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 very much hope that um, we come away with uh, a comfy 2-0 win being given yet another penalty. (laughs) Given. Penalty won, won, legitimately won. We've legitimately won most of them. This one, I didn't think it was a penalty <laughs> at all. You called me a weirdo and said it was a thousand percent a penalty. And then half the football. I, I think world that's was solid, like... solid analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I, whenever you, whenever you take a position which is like diametrically opposed from me about football, my instinct is always to be like, oh, am I completely wrong about this? And then like. About 10 people said within a space of two minutes, that's never a penalty. And I felt a lot better that I've not just gone mad. So I'm not saying it definitely wasn't. I just mean, at least I'm not insane for thinking it might not have been kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you you, uh, you uh, make the mistake of assuming that the thousand percent nailed on and you're a weirdo comments are linked. You, you, <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to let you know that you're a weirdo. Yeah, that's fair. That is completely fair. Um, all right, so... Uh, let's predict results. Oh, I'm going to say 3-1 uh, to United. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a very nice prediction. Um because so I predicted a 2-0 win against the Villa game and then halfway through the week I started to think, wait a minute, if we actually turn up, we're gonna score more than two goals. Um this one I, I wonder if it's just gonna be I think we're going to have to be better to get the result, but I think we'll know that and we will be better and we'll win 3-0 again. All right. Yeah, Southampton's such a funny, funny club, funny side. I mean, the propensity to ship goals, I mean, individually at the back, not very good. And, you know, I know people rate McCarthy as a young keeper, but mm, I'm not sure. Um, It's the midfield and the, the forward platform that they've got that could cause trouble but I don't think they're going they're not I mean looking at the City game they are going to set themselves up to defend um so United get a nice early goal in that one Hassan Hurtle's system is completely blown apart and and we could go and win this game comfortably lovely sounds excellent just give it to Mason (laughs) brilliant all right so enjoy that everyone uh I've no idea when we'll be able to record a show after that but we'll try and do it in a timely fashion for you, everyone. Um, And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves till then. Have a good one. (laughs) 